Happy Tuesday, beautiful people on Babs Rolls. I love Babs Love Talk. I believe Harry's somewhere floating in the ether. Uh, Merry Christmas in July. I have a tradition in my family. My children are very young. Um, my children are very young. We used to do Christmas in July. And actually, we still kind of do it. Uh, this year, uh, it got away from me yesterday. <laughs> But I would always call, you know, now that they're grown up, I call them and we check in or whatever. Um, but the idea is it's six months out from Christmas. And uh, and so we just always just, you know, we'd always say we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Uh, and so we would put up a few ornaments in July on the 25th for Christmas in July and sometimes I get them little gifts or sometimes they make little gifts or sometimes it'd be some kind of exchanging of gifts and we'd bake Christmas cookies and we'd put on Christmas music um, and we would just celebrate not, you know, like not all day, but usually around dinner or whenever July 25th fell, fell around. And so this morning I get a text from them reminding me of Christmas in July, which I thought was very sweet. And then I, and then I, sent them a picture, you know, a little image of Christmas in July, Merry Christmas in July. Um, you know, cause it, you know, at, at, at any given time, my children are estranged from one another for whatever reason, you know, either two of them are not speaking or one of them is not speaking or, or four of them are at odds with all four of them or, or sometimes they're all together happy. So, <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm grateful for the, Reminder of Christmas in July. So Merry Christmas <laughs> in July. Merry Christmas in July. So uh, I'm uh, I'm excited and uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the sentiment because uh, you know when things get a little crazy or difficult, you know you need these kinds of moments to sort of lift your spirits. I'm good. Don't you worry. I'm good. I'm just saying, you know, there have been many a times where, you know, you just like, oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to make a way out of, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I don't know how to do it. And then some kind of miracle, which is every day um, happens. And, and, you know, things are never as bad as they are in your own mind. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. There's some bad, 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 bad things in the world. And believe me, I've, had experience of them, but um, in these moments, you know, there, there are things that we just sort of imagine that are going to be worse than what they actually are. And so, so these moments where you can celebrate Christmas in July uh, is one of those moments where, okay, I, I got this. <laughs> I got this. I got this. So uh, I've got a guest at 1015 who I'm delighted um, to have on. And uh, you know she is one of these powerful uh, uh, New York women um, who's uh, who is married to a very powerful cat, and uh, I'm just so delighted to have uh, uh, Sylvia Lewis on. She has this. She launched this film fest last year called Auntie Land uh, Film Fest. And uh, and uh, I'm just so 
I watched it. I was so, or I caught some of it when it launched last year. And now it's back for uh, uh, a second year. I love all these women that are launching these wonderful things. You know, Ife with Lit Fest and uh, Sylvia Lewis, director uh, on Auntie Land Film Festival. So, um, so her name is Sylvia Wong Lewis. They, her and uh, her um, wonderful husband, who uh, who was the founder of uh, I think it's I forgot the name of this PR firm out of Chicago. I want to say Worldwide. Uh, I got to look it up. But you know him. You'll know him when I say his name. <laughs> but anyway, I'm trying. I'm just focusing on her. So Sylvia Wong Lewis um, um, celebrated Real Aunties Day on March eighth. Um, more than your parents, siblings, and genealogy. Um, And so uh, they use this holiday to bring back all the realness together, especially for black and brown and tan families and communities. Um, So she's a writer. um, She's a philanthropist. um, She's just an all-around badass. And Auntie Land uh, Film Festival is just a... Uh, pretty interesting uh, uh, idea. The idea is centered around, you know what? Uh, there are some of us old dogs that are doing cool stuff and want to be should be showcased in films, um, and so that's what they do. And uh, I can't wait. So, uh, so I'll talk more about that when she comes on. I won't spill all the beans yet. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spill all the beans. So, but uh, I just want you to know who who's coming on, and uh, what she's going to talk about. And uh, I think you'll be impressed. I met her uh, some years ago. This is how I met all these women. Um, we have a mutual friend who invited me into New York to have lunch at Sylvia's house with her husband somewhere in Tribeca, swanky, swanky, swanky place, swanky black, you know, ain't nothing swankier than black swanky. So um, my girlfriend, um, um, Patton, uh, invited me to come to New York I don't even know how I did this because um, my friend Patricia Patton invited me to come to New York for lunch to meet poet North Carolina poet laureate Jackie Green, Jackie Shelton Green. And so I did. And, you know, this was this was at the height of the hip pain in both, you know, both hips. I hadn't even had surgery. I I was hobbling around and this was before I even had the cane. So this was. This was a level of pain that was just unconscionable. But anyway, I got on a train. I went, made my way there, met some incredible women. Uh, um, uh, Patricia Patton is friends with Marianne, who owns um, Janae Thompson in Marrakesh. So this is how I got it. This is how I got on everybody's radar, just from this meetup with these sisters. Um, and so uh, Jackie Shelton, poet laureate. Um, was um, in town to speak at Barnard, um, Barnard uh, to give a talk or something or other. 
and uh, or to do some workshops or something around poetry or something. And uh, so that's how I met her. And uh, and so we follow, we all follow each other on Facebook and Instagram. So we talk to each other all the time on social media. That's what I love. That's why I don't understand people who have these very toxic relationships on social media. I guess if you fill your space with all that foolishness, you get that foolishness. I I don't have any of that. My my um Facebook page, Instagram page, is very curated. I think I have more people sitting in my queue than in actual actual in my my feed. Because I'm not I'm not really interested in. A gazillion people. I, I I treat my Facebook like I treat the porch. You know what I mean? Like I keep it, I keep it tight and well rounded. You know. And if if I see stupid stuff, I just get rid of it. I don't. I don't know. You know. I have this conversation with Andrew all the time. He's like, oh, you know, he's he's he just thinks, oh, it's just people being fake and jaded, and you know, everybody's showing off how their life is and how good it is. I'm like, what are you talking about, Willis? Because I'm like, yeah, my friends are doing good stuff, but it's celebratory. I I don't follow the Kardashians or any of these influence people. I don't follow any of that. So I have no way of knowing unless somebody shares it in the feed and I come across it. But for the most part, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't do comparative stuff. I'm a little too old for that. And uh, second of all, I don't really concern myself with celebrity. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there, I, I like a little celebrity gossip every now and again. Not as a steady diet. I, I don't understand the steady. I mean, unless your business is celebrity gossip, I, why? <laughs> huh? My, my life ain't, it used to be when I was doing entertainment public relations, I had to stay on top of all the people that were in our, register but i've just found that exhausting i don't i don't even know i can't even go back to those days i wouldn't know what to do now if i had to babysit celebrities i i you know what i treat them like their aunties if you don't get somewhere and sit your asses down shut up (laughs) see that's why i'm not in that business anymore because i i was just being i was like what are you doing (laughs) and i know what it's about no i know what it's about so, you know, so they could feign, oh, look, whatever. So anyway, so anyway, Sylvia Luce is coming on at 1015. I'm excited to talk to her because I haven't, haven't really talked to her since, I, since I've been in her house. And, you know, she's vegan. And so when we were there for lunch, she had, they had made this wonderful, wonderful spread. I was like, go ahead, girl. So every time she, you know, she has, she shoots up pictures of her uh, garden. And then all the food that she cooks. I'm like, I'm always threatening to run back to New York and pop by her house and eat. I mean that. <laughs> like, girl, when I'm in New York, I'm coming over for all that good food that you be making. Because she really puts it in. So so anyway, uh, that's the conversation today. I, I'm getting to, I get to see uh, Dan Fitzmaurice this morning. I mean, uh, this afternoon. We're having lunch. I'm so delighted because uh, I want to hear everything that she, what he's doing over at um, Arts for the Americans or Americans for the Arts and uh, how how that's going. And, you know, and to talk a few things about, you know, Arts Council kind of stuff. You know, just to catch up. 
that kind of thing. And, and if you're in uh, Westville tonight, I don't know, around five, six o'clock, you know, House of Salsa, Alicia's House of Salsa, you know, they do those free classes. And, and by classes, I mean, it's an all out party, salsa party over there in uh, the, uh, Westville Central, right there in the in that little space that they took over between Central and Whaley. That's a good space. Yeah, and they have a bona fide DJ. Uh, and then they walk across the street over to uh, Delaney's for beers and whatever else. Uh, and it's such a good time. So, so I don't know if I get there today because I'm in the midst of a serious reorganization project of my kitchen. <sighs> Lord, Black Jesus. So when I moved in three years ago, let me let picture this. Let me let me go all G- Golden Girl Sophia. Picture this, 2019. I move into the apartment. I move into the apartment with hips that are badly, badly in need of repair. So we just put everything in the kitchen. I knew I was getting prepared for these surgeries, back-to-back hip surgeries. They were four four or five months apart. So the kitchen, you know, um, really, you know, I just needed it functional, functioning functional and and that's what it was but now that the hips are done now that uh uh now that the hips are done the kitchen is not functional it's junky so i need to i mean junky in the sense that there were boxes that were still unopened kitchen stuff still unpacked seriously since i moved in and it makes sense because as i said when i moved in pre-pandemic um, and in a lot of pain, I couldn't get around to to do all the things. Now I can. So so anyway, I'm not going to go to the House of Salsa party at, at Westville today. Although I have gone and partied, and I'm in the video. Um, I'll I'll go probably next week or whenever I could go. I it, it, listen. It's every Tuesday. I'll get there, uh, but not today because I got to finish this. I got to get this kitchen situated because it really is getting on my nerves and then then move on to the rest of this apartment i'd like to go into the fall with this with my artwork up and things hung and you know just a better sense of organization really that's really a better sense of organization um so that it feels like you know home this is where i i mean this is where i'm gonna be i mean unless i win millions of dollars yeah and if I win a million dollars, guess where I'll be? Right here. Because a million dollars ain't what it used to be. A million dollars ain't like like it was in, you know, the days of Rockefeller. <laughs> a million dollars will barely pay your rent. So, <laughs> so I just want y'all to know that. I think word on the street might be around today. I don't know. We'll see. If not, then maybe tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, I've got a short morning. Uh, I'm doing my nine o'clock set. And I think maybe Paul Bass might sit in for the 10 o'clock set. I'm not sure. Or they'll pay, play a rerun. So we'll see. Uh, we, we shall see. But in the meantime, in between time, uh, I'm here today. And uh, I understand it's beautiful out. And uh, I didn't get up this morning the way I wanted to. I was up, but I wasn't up. So you know <laughs> so uh so what i think i'm going to do 
is um, I found the tea, the CBD tea that I like and has the highest concentration. And I get it over at um, the Chabasso the, uh, people's new place on, on, on Orange Street. I can't, what is the name of the damn place? I don't know. I think, I, I don't think it says Elm. I don't think it's that. I forgot what it's called. But it's a great space. I love it. But they carry the tea. Uh, and it's a little pricey, but I bought two tins of it, I don't know, like last month. And I, I almost forgot that I had it. So tonight, uh, I'm going to have a little tea and take my little butt to bed a little early. Because I, I could feel myself fall into this pattern of um, not going to sleep until about 2 o'clock in the morning. And then not waking up until, and then wake up again at 4, 5 o'clock. And feel rested, but I know that's, you know, I listen, I, I know myself. Uh, not not rested enough to want to get up and go do stuff. So so what I want to do is have a little tea around 8 o'clock tonight. By 10, 11 o'clock, lights out. That's the game plan. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Do you know um, this September... The Obama Portraits Tour comes to uh, the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston for eight weeks. I might try to go see that. I don't really love Boston, but it might be fun to go. Hey, Harry. Paul, do you know uh, Red Lento is open in, you know, the, the other store, the other restaurant is open in just outside of Boston. So that would make me go to Boston, too. To, to go to the Museum of Fine Arts to see the Obama portraits, but also go eat at Red Lentil because that was some of the best vegan food I've ever had in my life. So anyway, happy Tuesday. <laughs> What's up, Babs? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Why? Are you in, are you in, the, are you in the New Haven studio? I, I am in the studio, but, you know, I'm in the guest seat. Um, Nora is training again. Oh, Nora. So is there no word on the street or she's going to go in the hallway and grab somebody? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's actually out the studio right now talking to Justin Farmer. So I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I'm kicked out of the big chair as she tries to figure out everything. Um, And hopefully she does, right? I have jury duty on the 4th. Oh really? Remember, I delayed it. Oh, was do, a your, panic. do your civic duty, right? Well, you know, I tell you, I got kicked off. <laughs> I I got escorted out. <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't know what was happening, Harry. They're like, do you know? You know, they ask the question at the end when you go through the, you get the voir dire, and they're like, do you know this? This is the case. Do you know any of these people? I was like, out of the four people, I knew three of them. <laughs> I was like, is this going to be my life from now on? Like, Well, so depending like, on uh, what the case is, you know, I may, uh, I may yell out Black Lives Matter or <laughs> Blue Lives Matter, depending on what the case is, so I get thrown off. Aaron, you know the other thing I say? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Try, try like, Harry, you can say whatever you want. You're going to do this jury duty. <laughs> Paul said he had the same thing happened to him. He knew the judge. 
Paul, you and I, and a few other people in this town are never going to do jury duty. (laughs) And they don't even ask you how you know this person. Like, did you sleep with this person? Like, are they your neighbors? Like, how do you know them? There's like, oh, you just know them? Yes. I do. Yeah. The the last time I was close to getting on a jury, I was um, asked if I had ever experienced or known somebody who experienced the crime and this and you know what they were and I'm like of course where you think I came I come from of course <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean of course Wait, I experienced you, you know anybody that robbed somebody? I know you know anybody that <laughs> sell pot? You know anybody like, uh everybody but you know so you know, hopefully, for Paul's sanity, I, I don't get picked for a jury. Because um, if I do, for, whew, it may last listen, all month. Listen, for your sanity and, and our keeping our money in our pockets and we have to bail you out of jail. Is <laughs> everybody oh, going to want to fight you? <laughs> um, they said they could hear Babs, but not me on the radio. Who said that? Because you're muted. Your mute sign is up on the screen, but I hear you. But you hear so what is that I'm about? Talking, I'm talking into the mic. Okay, let me see one more. But your face, your your uh, your Zoom is oh, I, muted. I see it. I see it. So they probably didn't hear the music either. Um, the wrong thing is muted. Yeah. Um, there you go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. All right. So. Oh, let me fix the video also. Uh, if the person who told me they couldn't hear me can now say they can hear me, I really appreciate that. Who told um, you that? Yeah, so anyway, so I'm fixing the video now. So what's up, Babs? It's all good. Yeah, it's it was good Tuesday. It's good. It's, you know, it's... Uh... Tuesday. I think there's a little bit of humidity, although the humidity comes back tomorrow. Did y'all get rain in Waterbury, Harry? Because we did uh, not get rain. I don't think we did. Uh, we got cloudy, but no. Not really. I think it was a passing quick shower. I don't even think we got any showers. And we were waiting for like a downpour. I was like, what is happening? So, well, you know, know the drought is on. It is. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing here from afar. Yeah. Yes, your thing is still muted, Harry. But I, I hear you. But on your screen, yeah. it's muted. I'm messing up the the video right now. I, uh, you know what? I think you have to. Uh, I think you have to unmute that part. I think that's the culprit. Uh, no, because I think they hear me now. I'm like getting anything. I'm just saying. Oh, yep, they hear me now. Okay. Yeah, no, it was just she had me muted on that end. Um, it's different. It's different. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I, one of the stories I didn't get to yesterday, Babs, is that, uh, that um, <laughs> Vladimir... You know, our friend. Is that his first name? (laughs) (laughs) 
Vladimir Putin. <laughs> that's, a, that's a common name, right? That's very common. You know, Zelensky's name is something like that. It's like Vladimir or something like that. All right. Yeah. A different variation of Vladimir. But so he's been using body doubles. And you know, Ooh. Putin... Well, didn't he, I think he had to have some kind of surgery or something, right? Well, you see, that's the thing. And I've been, I've been telling some guy that, you know, <laughs> who's a Putin fan. I'm like, you know, Putin looks heavy one day and lighter the other day, the next day. I said, I think he's using a body double. And then yesterday a story came out that they suspect that he is using body doubles. Well, he got some health challenges. Yeah, so, cause, and that's the thing that they're saying, oh, he's not sick. Look, he's out and about. Yeah, but look at him. He's he's a different weight on different, Just, you know, don't, different Don't days. look too close, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't know if we should be saying that we notice. I know, I know. <laughs> I've been noticing for a while. He looks different. How are we going to... Hey, we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> he, he don't look like the same guy that was 21 feet away from the next guy on the table. That, oh. that was Putin. That was suspicious Putin. Paul says Stalin did the, used to do the same thing. I would, ima- I, I would imagine that they all would do that, right? Like you, you kind of have to have some kind of bait and switch plan, right? Well, like, well, the good news is that Biden doesn't have covid it's his body double that has covid so biden's cool don't worry people <laughs> he's fine he took the took the little pills he's good he's good Nah, he's he, he's doing fine he's like quadruple vaccinated and with all the antiviral medications we have these days listen i, I think i'd be more worried if he had monkeypox well I'm worried uh, about know, this monkeypox, Harry. I was actually telling we Karen and I were discussing this this morning as we walked in. I mean, drove in. She, I was telling her, okay, COVID you could get from anybody, right? Because this thing is airborne. The guy coughs. He could be 28 feet away, and that COVID will fly its way to your side of the room, right? So, but for some reason, nobody cares <laughs> about COVID anymore, right? Well, but now, you know, they're mass fatigued, Terry. But monkeypox, <laughs> monkeypox actually takes physical contact, right? Yeah, and and so, that and that kind of very. What does that mean? Like, well, here's the thing. So, <laughs> so it's either sexual contact, which is an obvious one, right? Um, or somebody with an open pore, you know, what I mean, an open sore or something that um, you touch. Right, Who's so touching people with open sores. <laughs> I mean, well, it doesn't have to be an open. Like, let's say I'm covering it with my shirt, right, and I scratch it, and then I go and shake your hand. Oh my Same God, thing. Harry! Will you please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never shaking nobody's hand the rest of my life. So there's that. So part. I was telling, I was telling Karen this morning, fist bumps are the thing. If somebody reaches out to shake your hand, fist bump. Yeah, because you don't know what they've been scratching. Yeah, sounds worse. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I, I wish I could put the camera on Nora right now. Why? Because she's grossed out. No, because 
she has her new Love Babs Love Talk hat. Just to oh, does she? Is she that cute? Oh, you gotta take a picture of her. Well, is it's just to rub it into Angel, you know. That somebody gotta have, but he didn't. <laughs> but, oh, happy uh, birthday, Tamiko Jackson. Dr. Tamiko Jackson yeah, MacArthur. Yeah. Happy birthday. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Happy birthday. So yes, yeah, so the fist bump is the way to go, Babs. No no shaking. I'm never hands. shaking people's hands. Um that just they, they sent me a form yesterday from jury duty and it yeah. says if i feel sick if i feel this if i feel that if i feel don't come in and i'm like whoa wait a minute i mean i could feel that every day you know every day of my life i have allergies <laughs> so does you know, that disqualify you, me you no know, you could just go there Harry, and just sniffle a little bit <laughs> sniffle cough <laughs> you know, well, I'm liable to do that. I could sneeze at any moment, right? So I have allergies. So anyway, yeah. so we'll see. I mean, where all the they're kind of telling you don't come in, right? Or make an excuse not to come in. But well, you know, you know they, you know, they're so desperate to get these trials, these, you know, to get these juries picked. I mean, it's just a lot. So, you know, try, try to do your part. So why not do it by Zoom, right? That might be challenging. Because I'd be a, a good juror by Zoom. I could, you know, eat popcorn as I see the testimonies. And, oh, Lord. See, you know, that's the problem. You know, Lord, we done Lord. American Idol everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make it easier for me. We're living in this American Idol world of um, so-called reality TV and foolishness that uh, we've forgotten how to be in community with one another. Just got to do it. I don't know. I, I saw uh, at this morning I was looking at the COVID numbers. And New Haven County is a hot spot here in Connecticut. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, we're no up, is, I think, no 17%. Is, nobody is ringing any alarms. We're just going to go <laughs> along. We're just going <laughs> to... 17%, right? Um, increase just, in the last we're week. We're just going to go along, Harry. You know. Well, I don't know mayor, about that. Listen, I mean, if the mayor's not concerned about it... Should we treat... Look, I'm just saying this. Don't ban me. Don't. I'm not. I'm not a doctor or anything. I'm just saying, should we just say it's like a cold and just move on? Well, um, you know, Harry, people are saying that. <laughs> I mean, I know. Look, look, I come into the studio, right? So it's the number is 17% up, right? So I'm in danger of catching it every time I walk in to these studios. There's always somebody sneezing, hacking. I think Paul has sinus problems himself so he's always you know with his watery nose um there's other people here who 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 always have a cough a constant cough so it's an impossibility not to deal you know what am i supposed to do <laughs> stay home you know, if, you know aside from the fact that um people are dying from this still <laughs> okay well what's the alternative though <laughs> 
Stay home? Oh, when you put it like that, it sounds good. You know, like, yeah, you know, you know, we all got to go. I mean, I think that's people's attitude, Harry. Listen, listen, if it's my time, it's my time. Now, I don't, I personally don't feel that way. I'm doing all that I can do to stay safe. I'm pretty safe. But for the rest of you mere mortals, it's not safe. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but if you look at the the numbers, right? So we are, you know, we're we're up. <laughs> yeah, we're up. Connecticut's up. Where is Marissa Bond on this? Is she still the health person? She's <laughs> yeah. have a, she's still working. Well, we have her uh, PSA. Thing. They ain't cut a new PSA. Nothing. No work. Nothing. Any updates so, but, from the city? But no, you look at the numbers, but we we're a hotspot for cases, but not for deaths. So oh, okay, well, uh, well then, then you then you there's your answer. Right. So it's like, uh, what should we pay attention to more? The fact that we're not dying, but you know we're catching it, but we're not dying. So there's that. Uh, let me tell you something. I had a good conversation yesterday. I'm just going to go over to a whole nother topic. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this COVID stuff. We, we just going to, we going to just be in it. Um, so yesterday, you know, I had to, I had to get, I had to get my unofficial transfers from my college. So I had applied for a, a divinity school a year ago, two years ago. And they were like, oh, we sent the transcripts to that school. I was like, oh, no, no, this is for something else. I just need an unofficial transcript. So they were kind of confused, so they called me. And so the president of the college called me. <laughs> she used to be my roommate back in Charlotte. We had an apartment together. I had forgotten all about that, Harry. <laughs> and she reminded me. I couldn't remember a damn thing. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Tracy. I was Tracy Hardiman then. And you, and and. You know, and I was just Barbara Rawls at that particular time. So she reminded me that we lived together in Charlotte. I was like, yes, we did. Now she's Dr. Flemings. So, whoo. Thank God there was no social media in those days. Now that I remember. Very just, my generation was very saved. Thank you very much. That's all I'm going to say, Harry. So I was saved. I was spared. Spared, spared, spared. Anyway, back to COVID. <laughs> Hold on, I'll be right back. I need to hire the volume in the studio. You gotta hire. <laughs> back to back to back to existing, non-existing COVID, where we are acting as though it does not exist in the world. I guess this is. I guess this is I guess this is people's way of saying you're not gonna this is my resilience. Do you know what I mean? Like this is my uh this is how I'm gonna deal with it, because what else is there? You know, people are adamant that they don't want to mask, you know. And they don't wanna take any other precautions. You know, I bought myself a new mask yesterday. Um, but only because it's cool. Right, so it's more like a um, a villain mask that is like the the guy who was fighting Batman. 
you know, he's more like a villain mask. So. What do you mean? Like a mask that'll get your ass killed if you wore it in the street? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want the police to stop me. I'm not going to wear it in the street anyway. I was like, I was like well, because that's the only mask I can think of. <laughs> that's the only kind of villain I can think of. <laughs> no, no. I wear it here, right? Because, you know, in lieu of wearing a spacesuit. That's what I would like to do, right? So, like, I came out Harry, this morning. I think you should just go ahead and buy one because you've been itching to buy one since the, problem the beginning is, of Pastor, the pandemic. The problem is, is that the the guy who shot in Uvalde, I think it is, or on the Buffalo one. Anyway, one of those mass killers, they wore a spacesuit to school, right? So I don't think uh, I want to be in that company. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So, um, but I, I, I'm going to wear the mask when I get it just because I don't know. I left the house this morning and whatever allergy, I don't know if it's pollen or ragweed, whatever it is that's out there is causing me to itch a lot. So, you said causing you to itch. Yeah. So, I, just the air is making me itch. Mm. Oh, I'm hoping monkeypox isn't in the air. Start mm. if I start itching under my my armpits. And... Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know. Like a monkey. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say to you, Harry. Like I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? God, the time is flying by. Well, um, I was reading an article this morning about what you're allowed to take on the plane. What do you mean? You know, because they changed it, changed the rules. Well, you know, this reporter, she got on a plane. And uh, the, what is the TSA worker? Um, uh-huh. He went into her bag and he pulled out her vibrator. Ooh. I said, what is this? And she said, it's a sex toy. He said, oh, you could go. So, well, I mean, what is he going to do? You know what that, I mean, Harry, <laughs> you really want to just be holding on to somebody's sex toy? What are you going to do well, with but that? But the thing is, is that, so they don't allow certain things with batteries on the plane, <laughs> right? So they don't allow, like, a, a vape pen. They don't allow, um, I forgot what it is, that some cell phones were bursting um, and everything. So, th- so they were restricting a lot of stuff that they feel may explode. So how, how about your vibrator? May, is that? It's not explosive. <laughs> my, call, my cause an explosion of some sort. <laughs> But that's usually n- n- not. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's not the. It's not that explosion. <laughs> right. So, so they still. So right. So they will. They won't allow you in. Who the hell is traveling with a vibrator? I don't understand that at all. Well, I mean, I I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't travel because I know they have to check my luggage. I would not travel with it. The thing is, is that. Do you that really would just to, freak me out. I, do you really have to lift it up in the air and, and embarrass the person? 
Not that she was embarrassed. She's like, yeah, it's mine. Yeah, I travel with it. What color was it? But she, <laughs> but she was saying that, so four ounces, they won't allow you to travel with more than four ounces of guacamole. Um, what? <laughs> because it, it's considered a liquid. So, guacamole? Yeah. Have they had guacamole? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that, you know, you never know what people could put. That's the weird thing. It's, it depends, right? It depends. Are there any cases of exploding guacamole? I'm just curious. And, and the, the weird thing is that they take your water bottle as you're walking in, right? They dump it. And then you could buy a water bottle on the other end, right? It's weird in the airport. I know I stopped taking, um, cause you know, I have a CPAP machine and, uh, and I used to take distilled water cause it takes distilled water. And they would, every time I would go here, they were like, I don't care. And then they would check it and they would go, yes, this is distilled water. And then they would pour it out <laughs> after they checked it. It was, like, it was almost like, 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 like I was on the playground and they were mean kids. You know what I mean? Like the right. TSA they, were the mean, were the mean, mean kids. They're deciding whether to arrest you. Oh, they go, oh, yeah, we can't, we're not going to arrest her. This is really distilled water. It but you still out. can't have it. But you still can't. You still can't have it. So now when I get to my destination, I got to hunt, you know, distilled water. Yeah. It, it was the same thing when Bella was a baby that they they spent like 15 minutes going over her baby bottle. <laughs> and it was like, really? We'll just dump the bottle. Because the people that are terrorists, Harry... They're not being that detailed. <laughs> no, but we'll just up the bottom. My my daughter was like, I breastfeed. That's breast milk. So if you want to dump it, dump it. I'll just, you know, attach it to my breast on the plane. Mm. And and you what know? would you prefer? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> somebody they ended, up, they ended up dumping the breast milk, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> they don't have any rules about that. I guess we could have, because it has to be less than four ounces. I guess we could have just dumped less, you know, until it got. So, to. can you go four ounce each container, like twelve thousand four ounce containers? <laughs> <laughs> you see, you know, you you see my logic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you see, so that's why now, if you go to any pharmacy or anything, they sell you the bottles. Yes, exactly. Right under the four ounce mark, so you. Well, that's what it. I used. To, well, that's what I started doing, Harry. I have four or five bottles of distilled water, just <laughs> enough to get me through a night in case I can't find distilled water where I'm going. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> you just have that. That's just insane. But yeah, <laughs> there's certain things, right? It's like it's like they they still make you take off your shoes. Stupid. Because that one guy tried to light one guy, hand. Harry. One guy. Yep. One guy got us stripping. I'm surprised they don't play music at these things. Strip club music and allow people to throw dollars at you. You gotta undo your buckle, you gotta oh and everything. So I have to tell them all the time. Uh I told them the last time I went in, since I had both hips done, I said, well, you know, I got titanium hips. And I was like, yeah, we can see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, this is the thing that it's just too much. It's too much. I, I remember the I read a story years ago where they made a woman with um fake breasts take them off, take off those you know the outer implants. Well, they're not fake. I wouldn't call them fake. I, right, I, I don't call know them... how to call it. I apologize if I offended. Yes, prosthesis, prosthesis. Uh, yeah. So, they, but they made her take them off. In front of everybody, there because they don't they don't care, and you no. know you know Harry. I mean, they have a job to do, and I know I know they're like, listen, ma'am, if it's up to me, I wouldn't even care. <laughs> but and, and if I like, don't do this, I might lose my job, right? Yeah, but so. but you see it in the X-ray machine, right? So she literally has no breasts. So what else would those things be? Don't you have to use some common sense? Uh, we are at a very, we are at an all-time premium low. <laughs> or checking a baby's diapers. You know, people Harry, complain about we that. We are at an all-time low for common sense. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't change my baby's diaper if they want to check their diaper, right? Just... <laughs> Let them check this. You know, so it, it it is weird. It's weird. It's still that we're and we're still at that. It's like you know there has to be technology where we don't we shouldn't have to do any of this stuff. What do they do in other countries? I go to other countries. I don't have this problem. I go to other countries, Harry. It's not this tenuous. Well, you know. So I don't I don't know why our stuff is so. I don't, I don't get it, you know. But travel we must. Yeah, travel. travel so, we may. But so so anyway, it's good to know you could travel with your vibrator, but not your vape pen. So there you go. <laughs> That's a PS it's PSA right there. What one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> one of these things is not the same. One of these things is not like the other. But, but, but a uh, a professional who was responding to that article I read um, said the best thing to do is to carry a vibrator in a hard case because the uh, some of the yeah. vibrators yeah, are... That sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of the vibrators are sensitive. The buttons are sensitive. So you get a vibrating in your suitcase. That's why they end up checking a lot of them. Hell's traveling with the well, obviously, a lot of people because the batteries in the vibrator. So, separate separate the batteries from the vibrator. I don't think they like you to carry batteries on the plane either. So, just take your unless you're planning on using the vibrator on the plane. Oh uh, my god, where in that tight ass bathroom? <laughs> I don't know, Babs. Have you seen some of those people take off their socks? And they, they have their funky toes out. On the plane, it's like, what in the world? This It's just some people. Harry, I don't even like to walk barefoot outside, like in my house half the time. Yeah. I know damn well I'm not going to be barefoot on no janky-ass plane where 50 million people have walked their fink, funky feet. Mm-hmm. Well, I, see nope. of... I know, I see them too, Harry. They come <laughs> down the gangplank barefoot. Yeah, it's like. And and then and then into the airport. Ugh! 
you know, and I'm just like trolling them. Oh my God, that's disgusting. I've seen people go in public bathrooms with bare feet, you know, because they, they tell you you can't do that, but, you know, white people can do what they want to do. Ooh, Harry, that just grossed me out to no end. Just what is this gross me out morning? Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just a weird, it, it was just weird reading that this morning because I thought it was going to be, I mean, it's, it's still a serious article, but it's in the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a say I shouldn't say it's not a serious article. Do they have a running uh, list of stuff that you shouldn't bring on the airline? Is vibrators yeah. one of them? No, no, no. Vibrators are most vibrators are allowed. E cigarettes are not allowed, you know, the vape pens and stuff like that. Um, oh, okay. All right. Um a uh, good thing to know is a foam's toy sword is not allowed. A a toy sword? Yeah, not allowed. Um Toy um lightsaber, right? Uh, I know you Star Wars fans. But what if you go into a Star Wars convention? You need your lightsaber. Well, mail it to the <laughs> hotel that you're gonna stay in, which is actually the best thing to do, right? So mail your luggage, mail, mail your clothes ahead of time, and then mail it. I'd back. be afraid to mail my luggage. Like I, I know people do that. I couldn't do it. This is why I take carry on and I pack very light. Right, and, and here's an important one: don't take any antlers on the plane. Who's taking antlers on a plane? Though? What do you mean antlers? Antlers, so deer, like, from a, like a deer. <laughs> if they got a list of something you don't take on the plane, that means somebody's taking it on the plane. <laughs> like, like to a Viking convention? <laughs> I'm just to... Oh, wait a minute. So how did that guy who got busted on January 6th, how did he get those antlers over there in Washington, D.C.? Did he drive? He must have driven. He, he must have because they don't allow that stuff on the plane. <laughs> Maybe can he you, shifted. Can you raise the Megaseg volume? Maybe he shifted. Maybe. All right. We got we to gotta, wow. gotta make the call. Let us take a break. And then we come back with, uh, with uh, Sylvia Lewis from Auntie Land Film Festival. That is too funny. Uh, hold, on. Hold, hold on. Let me let me do something here. So you're, you're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. I forgot what we do, Babs. <laughs> we're, we're, we're so caught up in vibrators. On the- I'm New Haven House Director Marissa Bond. Right, we'll be right if back. If you or your family have COVID 19 <laughs> symptoms or think you were exposed to someone with COVID, quarantine, stay home and get tested on day five if possible. If you have COVID, isolate, wear a mask, vaccinate, get boosted, and tested as needed. Those are the best ways to stop the spread of COVID. At this time, we are vaccinating everyone ages five and up. Stay safe, New Haven. Okay. Naomi y Natasha Vélez de Movimiento Cultural you know, saben que vacunarse contra el COVID es protegerse y volver a ser lo que tanto aman. We was ready for the vaccine since the beginning. Vacunadas, podemos viajar, podemos bailar, podemos compartir con nuestra familia y amigos. We feel safe now. Ya no queremos más muerte. Vacúnate y vive sin miedo. Vacúnate, Connecticut. Connecticut, get your shot. Un mensaje del Departamento de Salud Pública de Connecticut. I want to dance. I want to dance. 
people welcome back to the second hour of love babs love talk on babs rolls ivy i am delighted this morning to talk to auntie land film festival founder and director the lovely talented and the beautiful sylvia wong lewis good morning sister hi hi babs i'm so happy to see you and be with you this morning Oh my gosh, I I am I'm I I've been thinking about this for such a long time to sort of get you on, just to I, I actually not even to talk about Auntie Land films, just to talk about all the doggone gardening that you do and the cooking that you do. <laughs> like you could have your own podcast around all the. Oh, you food. you know, oh, thank you. You re- you really inspire me because I think that too. I think well, maybe I could have a show too, like you. <laughs> Oh my God, you know, I'm just so excited to be on your show and I listen to your show and you inspire me so much and I'm so honored to be here with you. Oh, that is, is listen, let me tell you, let me tell y'all something about Miss Lewis. Uh, You know, for, for, she worked in, uh, as a journalist for 30 years and an artist and a chef before becoming a filmmaker at 60. So the pandemic hits, you're sitting in your garden, you meditate, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're summoning the butterflies, you're growing all these beautiful vegetables, and somehow or other you're like, you know what, I want to be a filmmaker. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. And then you get this call from a young lady who says, you know what, I think, I, I believe we are related, can you tell me about our people? Yes, did that really touch my heart? That's how I started Auntie Land, actually, because Auntie Land really is like a blog and a website and a place to for stories. And uh, I became a filmmaker just trying to explain to that young lady who turned out to be my my niece. And I don't want to say what sibling whose child she is, but she called me out of the blue, and I kind of knew she was born, but I was told that she was with her father's people. So I didn't know where she was really, but she called me and she was still a teenager. And she said, you know, auntie, um, I've been in foster care all of these years and I don't want anything from you. I just want you to tell me who I am. What, what, what were my grandparents like? Who were, who were your, who was your mother and father? Cause they're my grandparents. And I'm telling you Babs, her story and her call just touched my heart so, so deeply. And so that's when I started Auntie Land really as a place to like share and make the, uh, help the generations connect with each other. And um, so I kind of uh, sent her to my Ancestry.com page and their census stories and photographs and things like that. But she still had a lot of stories, uh, not stories, she still had a lot of questions. So then that's what led me to become a filmmaker at uh, 60 years old. 
So I created this. <laughs> this is crazy because you know. No, I, I love. I, it's so inspiring. I love this story so much. It's so yeah, inspiring. Just like, you know, I had been a journalist, as you said. I've been a journalist already for for thirty years. So. Um, you know, finding stories and telling stories. I, you know, I've been doing that. So um, I started this, I created this film called From Shanghai to Harlem. And it's an immigration migration story of our family, which is a story of many of our families in America, right? It's mm-hmm. a story of uh, the uh, West Indian Caribbean side, And it's the story of my Southern Mississippi, Louisiana uh, side. And I was trying to explain to her who we were, how we came together, what the migrations were from the deep South, from uh, Trinidad and Guyana, Venezuela, China, because I'm like, I'm a Chinese Trinidadian. My mother's Chinese Trinidadian Mm -hmm. and her father's from Guyana. So I was trying to explain that. And, uh, and she understood some of it because she was uh, had a foster family that was from Guyana. So that was good. So she understood some of the culture. And, um, and I was just trying to explain to her what it was like when our families, there were different migrations. It's kind of like a history story, right? Our yes. family stories. The, you know, like maybe your family too. I remember you have a, a Jamaican story, I think. Right. So I, I actually I don't have a Jamaican story. I I you know what I spent so much time with Jamaicans that I feel like I do have a Jamaican story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you had uh, like ancestors there or something. I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we gotta get to your story. I'm gonna yeah. get you on Auntie Land. <laughs> I'm gonna get you on Auntie Land and we're gonna get to your story. Girl, I'll oh, be happy that's... to do whatever you tell me to do. So yeah. so you make this film. Uh-huh. You made this film because you wanted to put the pieces together? Yes, I wanted to put the pieces together. And I did it from the point of view of I'm telling a story to a teenage girl. So if you watch the film, and it's a short film, it's like six minutes long. If you watch the film, you can see it's very clear. I'm just saying, okay, this is where we were. This is the, this is where the family started out. And this is how things um this is where they came from this is where they went and the story's ongoing because we're still digging and we're still looking for history and our history because of slavery and uh, colonialism has Mm -hmm. a a lot of created a lot of problems in trying to trace everything and document everything so uh it's kind of a genealogy story in a way but it's also a narrative about american history because my family migrated from the deep south um, in Missis- from Mississippi in 1919 to Harlem. And then my um, Caribbean side, they came on, um, on a ship, on uh, different ships to, um, you know, on the island of Statue of Liberty. Some of them came into um, Virginia. They came in on ships and they came in and uh, landed in Harlem too. So how did... How did these families come together? And I tried to explain how there was a time when um, black families and um, uh, black families, black Southerners, Southern people and Caribbean people were together. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the tribalism that we have now where um, like today in 2022, I do see a lot of Caribbean people saying things about American people american black people like we're different people 
And you know what I mean? It's like a prejudice because everybody has their tribes. Mm -hmm. So I do see some of that. But back then, the agenda, the so-called black agenda was that we we were all one. And that's that's like a a Jamaican um, mantra, like out of one comes all, you know, but we were were really one. And so um, anyway, I was trying to tell this kind of story to my niece in this film. So that's what it's about. And the, I, unbeknownst to me, and I woke up with the script right in my head. And I, I called up a friend of mine that had a sound studio in his kitchen. And I, I said, I need to record this. And I had my own archives, which were my photographs that I inherited from all my relatives. And I just put together the film and my voice and the story. And I created this film. And um, unbeknownst to me, it started to win awards. And it was just amazing. So that's how I launched my film career at 60. So now I'm 70. So now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so inspired. And so, so, and I guess you, from there, you said, you know what? There are other mature voices out there that got a story to tell and might want to, and might, might want to put it to film. Yeah. And, uh, And so Auntie Lynn is in its what second year third year what year is this well uh auntie land itself has been around for like four years now but the film festival is actually very new so um and i'll just tell you there's an auntie land um you know kind of like magazine there's an auntie land holiday that i invented too because i saw that i think it's in march right (laughs) yep it's in march it's the women's history month and international women's day and you know that marks a day where women work women's work women and girls work is really recognized and i thought that well all all of the aunties in the world need to have their day and so that's where that came from and then uh as you said i was in the quarantine i was on my roof in my garden watching my bees and my butterflies feeling isolated and i was like i want to feel connected and so i i started a film festival on on my roof because i wanted people's stories but as you said, I wanted the, um, I wanted, Auntie Land is a place to, to connect to generations, but it is a, a kind of philosophy that when people start calling you auntie, you are like at least a certain age, you know, it's like people, mm-hmm. when you call your mother's friends auntie or your aunt, you know, you call your aunt auntie, but you also may call other women in your community auntie. So I was trying to bring out that cultural tradition among our people and among people of color. Uh, I think that um, uh, this exists uh, among uh, Black families, Caribbean families, even Chinese, um, Asians. There's this whole, uh, when you refer to the aunties, you're really talking about the women in your community. Yeah. And, and, the, and so, the older, older women. The mature and, women. So you, so you embrace the word auntie because I've had conversations yes. with women who hate it like, like oh, i know i saw oprah hates it she's like don't call me auntie you know and i saw that ava ava DeVernay said you know i'm not your auntie don't call me auntie and so no i'm not I, I, they will embrace it eventually because it's just not sustainable to think that you're going to stay young forever so let's get with that okay so i'm 70 years old and i'm okay with it you know so when people when young people call me auntie i'm okay with it it does not offend me i'm happy with it because it 
it, where I come from, it means it means that they respect me. You know, it means that they respect that I do have a little bit of uh, experience, a little bit, a little bit of age, a little bit of exposure and experience to a lot of things. And so I'm OK with that. So, yeah. So that's what I that's what I was doing with the Auntie Lamb, just kind of bringing. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's always been like when I was young, I always felt like I could go to my aunties for advice or for intervention or whatever. Like mm-hmm. uh, my mother's friends, um, my mother didn't want me to go away to school, but my mother's friends convinced her that I should. You know what I mean? So yeah. my aunties intervened in my life, you know, yes. in a positive <laughs> way. So, you know, it's kind of like your mother might say whatever, but then your aunties will say, you know what, you need to listen to your child. Your child has some ideas and maybe, you know, will help her and, you know, be beneficial or whatever. So I was trying to get with that, that, you know, uh, the, the uh, value and attention goes to mothers and grandmothers, but very rarely do they really focus on the aunties. So that was where I was coming from. And I was doing this in a very scholarly way, too, because there's really not much scholarship in it. So that's where the the background of it. But then fast forward, while I'm in quarantine, I just wanted to be connected with people. So I wanted to come up with this idea for having a film festival, a digital online film festival, since I knew we couldn't connect with people. So that's what we did. We, we're a young festival. We started last, uh, we started uh, for uh, during Women's History Month, just in March. So um, we're having now our summer festival. This is our first summer festival. So I really appreciate being on your show today. I'm excited about it because when I saw it, I was like, I was like, it's a little early for the fifth festival. And I was like, oh, it's a summer festival. So what has the response been like, Sylvia? Like, like, well, what was the initial response for your first film festival? Oh, my God. A lot of folks sending you. Yes, I was getting so many. um, I was getting so many films. And I was getting so many, um, I was getting a lot of encouragement and support. People sending me, you know, like um, congratulations and uh, encouragement to saying, oh, I'm so glad you're doing this. Why didn't I think of this? You know, that kind of thing, because um, it was an industry piece that um, uh, uh, industry uh, uh, people have told me that there is no other film festival that really wants to hear um, from filmmakers who are mature, who are 50 and older. So, cause I really put it out there that I really want to hear stories from people who are 50 years and older, because I personally feel that once you reach 50, that you have better stories than mm-hmm. if you're a young person. <laughs> cause we have so many stories, right? I mean, look at you, look at me. We've been to the mountaintop We've been to a lot of mountaintops. I see you traveling. I've been traveling. I've been to so many different mountaintops and been over the mountain, up the down, up the mountain, down the mountain, up the side, you know. So, and I could tell you stories about every one of them, you know. But um, a lot of the films in the film industry is about coming of age and it's a youth culture, you know. Yes. And I wanted to embrace the this whole mature, um, seasoned. Um, you know, experience and philosophy that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of living um, after 50. There's a lot of value to your life. And I think that we have better stories too. We have many more stories and it just makes sense. And if everybody wants to be sustainable, I mean, you really should be thinking like that. You can't stay young forever. You should tell 
your stories and embrace the years that you lived and, and she keep sharing those stories. So that's the, to me, is the, the point of the film festival is to just document that and have a legacy of having a, a film festival that really embraces the, um, the multi-generational kind of um, effort to connect the generations, the old and the new, and also to give value to the stories that are older. And I, love, I love when you, you say that we can see through the uh, patriarchal false scripts we need to tell, write, and show our stories in literature and film that tell the full sweep of womanhood and BIPOC life. I I love that. And that we are all born artists, but our yeah. artist souls get smashed down by life. Talk a little bit about that, Sylvia, because I, I think yeah. that is fascinating. Yes, I do feel that, that we're all born artists. And I think it was Picasso that said that. And he was saying that society, the way society set up is that we lose that um, that wonder and that um, that openness. We're born with it as children, as babies. We're wonder- wondering what's going on in the world and everything, and we're open to everything. And then no matter what culture that we're born into, Italian culture, Chinese culture, whatever, the traditions kind of like smash that down. It kind of dampers it and um, puts some kind of like a lid on it. And um, so... Um, but being an artist really is, is freedom and it's expression. And I think that, um, that we need to be able to, um, to share our visions and our stories and our paintings or whatever it is that is our art, our cooking, our designing, whatever it is. But what happens is that um, a lot of us care about what people think. They're afraid of criticism. They're afraid of what people are going to say about you and all of that. And I think that as we mature, men and women, as we mature, like by the time you're 50 years old, you really don't give a hoot what people think, right? <laughs> you know, you, you kind of like let that go. And if they, uh, you say, oh, I'm not going to wear white in September because that's not allowed. Uh, you know, at 50, you don't care. If you're going to wear, you want to wear white, you're going to wear it. You know, That's you it. don't care. You know, somebody says, oh, you're not supposed to wear white. You're like, so what? I'm wearing it. What you going to do about it? <laughs> so that's what I mean. At 50, we get our art spirit back and then we start creating again. And that's actually what happened to me. By the time I turned 50, I had been married twice. I divorced. I lost my parents. You know, you go, go through so much in life. And uh, trauma, everything, millions of jobs and and joys and disappointments, everything. And then by the time you're 50, you're like, well, hey, I'm here and I'm enjoying it. And I'm, you know, I'm going to make the most of it. And um, I'm just going to, um, you know, think back and think and get back in, in touch with my artists um, in my soul. And you notice that the group that we're in, we're in a Black women's blogger group. A lot of the sisters in our group, and a lot of them are over 50, over 60, over 70. They are artists. They are creating um, so many amazing, starting businesses, just doing, creating things. And they're all over 50. And it's just a very creative age to be. Once you reach this age, once you reach 50, I have a friend that's just turning 30. And I was telling her, oh, that's, you know, yeah, that's nice, you know, but wait till you turn 40. <laughs> like, you, you don't know, even like, know. It ain't going to get good till you 50. 
You're not going to get good till you're 50. It's just not. Yeah, there's nothing going on. You think it's going on now and nothing's happening really, you know, like just, you know, keep it moving. So that's what I say. Yeah, the artist in you just comes out. You just get more courage. And um, I was privileged to meet uh, Maya Angelou uh, way back when I was a journalist in uh, Berkeley in Oakland, California. And I remember asking her, and she gets asked that question, like, what's the most important thing in life? And I remember her answer was courage. She said that all you need is courage in life. And I think that that's, that is so true now that I'm 70, that that's all you need. If you need, you just need the courage to be yourself, to be your authentic self. And that's what all the aunties that were in my life told me. They were like, you know, do you be you, don't be afraid and um, think about what's in your heart. What do you really want to do? And, um, you know, and go for it. And so um, that's the spirit of what we are doing here at Auntie Land. We want to tell our stories, want to lift up those stories. And we also want to have dialogue with each other. And I think that that will help, um, you know, the world um, uh, have more understanding with each other and that will help people uh, heal and understand and have more love in the world. That's really the ultimate goal as far as I, that I'd like to That's see. That's a good goal. That's a lofty goal. So, so you got a live talk back, meet the directors coming up uh, mm-hmm. on July 27th at two o'clock Eastern standard time. And right. you can go to auntielandfilmfest.org. So tell me about these extraordinary folks who are going to have this conversation and, and what do you imagine they're going to talk about? Well, I think they're going to, um, you know, I don't want to put it out there what they're going to talk about because I really don't know yet. But uh, in fact, the moderator asked me, what, what do you want them to talk about? And I was like, well, you're the moderator. It's really up to you. But you, if, you have, um, if you have three dynamic, brilliant people and you do interviews yourself, Babs, I mean, there's so many directions you can go in. Uh, each of them has has a body of work that they've done, but uh, they each had one particular film that they submitted to the film festival that uh, our uh, that we chose to be in the film festival. So we had choices, but so I picked one that was, uh, uh, one is called uh, Reign of Closes by Louise Fleming. She's mm-hmm. a brilliant filmmaker and thinker, and it's really environmental and it's about nature and uh, meditation. And uh, the reason why I thought it was important because, you know, a lot of times uh, people think of us as um, uh, uh, women of color that all we think about are the um, society, um, uh, cultural problems in the world, but we actually think about nature too. We think about the environment. These things are important to us. We notice them, we are aware of them. And uh, but we're just not connected somehow in uh, the general uh, narrative of society. So I picked that. We picked that. And then um, the other film is called Birds, City Birds. I, I because these are, it's a summer festival. I wanted to you know be like uh, you know think summertime. So that's when you notice city birds. And I'm always um, aware. I'm always wondering about the birds in the city and always looking at them. And I remember seeing you know, looking at them and thinking that 
uh, I had a friend that lived out in the country and she was saying, oh, you should come over to my house. You know, I'm out here in Pennsylvania and we have nature and birds. And I remember saying to her, you know what? We have birds in the city too, you know? (laughs) Not like we don't have birds here, you know? So that's not going to be the reason why I'm going to come see you in the country. So So that's why I thought that this film is just a wonderful tribute to the city birds. And that's and by that, uh, Kristen Ryber that's, Harris. That's right, by Kristen Ryber Harris. And then the other one really touched my heart. It's it's by um, it, it's by uh, Craig uh, Barbosa, and it's called "It's a Fuller Brush Man," and it's a tri- tribute to his father, but it's also a tribute to I don't know if you remember the Fuller Brush Man, but this it makes me it, it's kind of a, a nostalgia too because it rem- makes me think about. Um, the brushes that we had when we were growing up. What did you? Mm-hmm. What did your mother brush your hair with? Probably the fuller brush man. So your mother the brush. I know we had a fuller brush man that came and sold all of us the brushes, and um, that we had, and, and the brooms. And that was the thing. It's like people don't realize when you talk to young people and say, well, somebody came and brought, sold your brushes. I said yes. Yes. And we actually got encyclopedias. Like that yes, too. I was you just remember? having that conversation. Yes, that, uh, that you know, uh, uh, we had encyclopedia, we had two sets, and mm-hmm. we had the Black America that that little four exactly. volume, three volume set. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that I have, that I still have. Right. Still so have that's from a, my yeah. Exactly. So that film is called The Fuller Brush Man. It's really not about the Fuller Brush Company or anything, but it's really the filmmaker's tribute to his father and his father's aging. And you can see that, too. So I thought it it, it really fit in the Auntie Land um, kind of mission in that it's a tribute to someone who's mature and communicating with them. It's the he is a young person communicating to his father. And then I think it kind of goes all the way, you know, to as, as he gets um, um, at a celebration uh, for his birthday. It's really a lovely story. So that's what, um, so that's what those films are about uh, a little bit. But each of them, uh, Craig uh, Barbosa is a professor and a brilliant writer. Um, Kristen, she's an amazing um, artist, an animator, and uh, film person. So the three people, and and also the moderator, she is a talented uh, filmmaker herself. And uh, so I I believe you're going to hear a very uh, wonderful, um, lively, uh, wonderful. And that's uh, that's Pat Doyen. Yes, Pat Doyen. She's the mm-hmm. moderator of the of that program. So mm-hmm. we're inci- excited about that. And so, uh, like you do a show all the time, I guess is normal for you. But for us, you know, we're excited to do this. And uh, because, as you know, when you have a show, you have people and they're sharing stories and ideas, and you just love, you know, you you really love to do that and bring bring lift up their stories and bring it to people. Yeah. So, so what's next for so so when you get past the summer, are you are you getting geared up for the for the film festival? Uh, yes, yes. In the fall, in well, the it fall. happens for Women's History Month is in March. Okay, March. But we begin. Um, well, I was going to tell a uh, uh, flashback a little bit is that there's also. Uh, the summer we had a summer program with students at Auntie Lou. Oh. So that's there's also the other part of the uh, summer festival is that um, I have uh, three students um, who are working with us, and they um, I had they so they curated 
uh, kind of like their own little festival. And so we have their films too. So there's nine films in that. And so you'll get a chance to see what the students curated because you never know what young people are thinking about. And so I think that their lineup is really, really amazing. And um, you might, I I might say that um, uh, we were looking at the summer program would be a chance to have more longer films uh, because we're really a short, uh, we really specialize in short films. Um, and that I think that uh, you can tell a lot of stories. And like my my film, my first film, which is kind of a documentary, it was uh, six minutes long. So I think you can tell a lot in a short film. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, the, the lineup is looks like it's all, almost all short films. So yeah. check that out. All they have to do is go to auntielandfilmfest.org and they can see. You can just click on it and watch it. There are live links to all of the films. And the film, the film festival uh, for the summer is running now through August 31st. So um, we try to make it so with, with having uh, this whole thing of having a digital space is so uh, uh, free, freeing, right? Because you don't have to get a ticket. You don't have to stand online. You don't really even need a reservation. All you need is your computer or your phone and you just click on it and you can watch it when you want. And yeah, you I love it. How long the film is, it tells you, oh, this one is three minutes. That one's four minutes. You can decide what you want to do. And so um, I was very, uh, I was very pleased to see what the students curated, what they thought uh, was their top. I asked the three of them, what are your top three films that you think people would like to watch? And I just asked them, and it was very simple. I said, we're keeping with the mission of Auntie Land, which is multicultural and multi-generational, but uh, uh, primarily uh, people of color. And the, so all of the films are really uh, about that and, and cover that. I love so it. So it's that part of it is the, the young people. And then um, we then, after that, we have a little break uh, at the end of the, uh, August. And then we gear up for the, uh, the Winter Festival, which is for Women's History Month. And that gets up actually in October, even though it's really held in March. Well, I, I want you to come back to talk about about that one. But before you go, talk uh-huh. to me about what what do you what do you see the future for Auntie Land Film Festival? Like, what do you what do you ultimately want it to be and do and say? Well, I want it to. Um, I, we want to pivot. I mean, right now it's just totally digital. And it, um, it's based here in, uh, I live in Tribeca, New York, down in downtown New York. And so I, I, the, the immediate thing was that I wanted to have year-round programs where we have multi-generational events and activities. And then um, um, I wanted us to also um, do uh, in-person events eventually. That's what I would like to do. As you may know, that my husband Byron started the granddaddy of uh, black films, uh, the uh, American black filmmakers. Yes. Um, and uh, he started that over 25 years ago. He's since sold it to uh, Jeff Friday, but uh, his, and I was with him during through all that time. His goal was that he wanted all, he wanted people of color to get together, to connect with each other in a physical space. And that was his goal back then because we were so separate from each other. So my goal is that way too. I do want us to, uh, my goal is still the same. It's like, I want us to be connected to each other. And what happened, COVID kind of separated us. 
And so that's still my goal. I just want us to be more connected to each other and doing more activities that could connect us to each other. So that's, that's a a simple, simple goal, really. Well, I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate talking to you. Such an inspiration, like a real inspiration. I love the fact that at 60, you said, I'm going to be a filmmaker and make films Mm -hmm. on top of a 30 year career of journalism and artistry and and cooking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, well, that was the other thing because I have all that, you know, it's like pulling together all of your interests. So I have a very uh, deep uh, passion for gardening and cooking. So that's, that's what I envision that Auntie Land is going to do more with um, gardening and homesteading and cooking and, and that kind of thing. I do envision that, but I uh, haven't, uh, you know, uh, manifested it yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> You're kidding yeah. me. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Ms. <laughs> Sylvia Wong Lewis. It is thank a pleasure, you. a delight, and a real honor to talk to you. Oh, thank and I, you. And I want you to come back for the- I would the, love to. Not the other part of the film festival. I will. I will. I would love to talk to, talk to you again. And thank you for sharing uh, our stories with your audience. I really love you guys. Well, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the day. And I can't wait to see what you pull out of that garden next. <laughs> wait till you see. You know, I have a purple passion. I have some purple potatoes and purple things. Oh! So yeah, happy on your show. We could talk purple, okay? Oh my God, I can't wait to <laughs> see, see you this. I see you with your purple hair. I don't know if it's purple or blue. But no, I, it's purple. <laughs> oh, okay. I see you got a thing for purple too. Well, so when you have purple. a purple show, I'm going to be there with my purple potatoes <laughs> and purple spring beans, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Lewis. I so appreciate okay. you. Thank you. Thank I'm you. looking forward to the film festival. Oh, uh, Thank you so much. All right. Thank all you all right. so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Harry, play us out. It's time for us to go. I love this conversation. Um, This was great. Play us out. And I'll be back uh, tomorrow just for an hour because I got a commitment at 10. And um, Paul Bass will sit in for me, I think. Or somebody will sit in for me tomorrow. I think it's Paul Bass. But otherwise, I'll be back on Thursday. I'll see y'all. Somebody, somebody accused of me. There we go.